Hi everyone, this is Dustin, and this is the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. This is for all the comic fans, we know you've been waiting. As always, we have... Chris. And this is Apple. And this is the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. In this episode, we are going to cover all of the Batman R.I.P. issues that have come out since our last podcast. Chris will go in more detail about which ones we'll cover. We're also going to cover the complete mini-series of Joker Asylums. Apple's going to cover those. And then as a treat for all you comic fans who've been patiently waiting for this comic cast to come out, we're introducing a new segment called the Short Box Collection, where I'm going to pick a comic out of a short box, Batman-related, obviously, give you the name and the issue, I'll give you a brief summary of it, and then you can email us and you can win that exact copy. So, without further ado, let's jump right into the Batman R.I.P. issues. Six seventy-eight, which is two issues in, because if you guys can remember, ten years ago when we did the last comic cast, we did six seventy-six <laughs> and six seventy-seven. So uh, we'll pick up with this one. And by this time, Batman apparently has already gone crazy, and he's got his little bat radio. And certain things happen. The issue Robin is on the case. He's looking at through his little black book, and two of these D-list goons come after him. They actually make him look kind of interesting. And then Batman wakes up, or Bruce Wayne rather, wakes up in an alley with this Honor Jackson character who you may remember from I believe it was the first one 676 this dude that Batman helped almost ran over and then gave him some change and stuff and the first thing I'd like to bring up is it refers back to the break-in at the Batcave and Bruce Wayne I guess is remembering and having flashbacks but I suppose this is Dr. Hurt that's saying this he's got two syringes in his hand and he goes weapons grade crystal meth and street heroin will start you with these and the first thing I'd like to discuss about this issue is what Dr. Hurt was doing here. I guess he plugged him in with all these drugs, and I don't know if he just turned Bruce loose on the streets after this and he has more things in plan for him, or if that was all that Bruce remembered and he got injected with all kinds of other stuff and got turned loose on the streets. What are you two guys' thoughts? The drug thing is just kind of interesting because Batman who doesn't drink, who doesn't do drugs... It's just kind of interesting to see his reactions to everything. Yeah, but do you think this is the beginning of what they plugged him with? Or is Dr. Hurt talking about he's got more things he's planning to do to Bruce because he says, we'll start you with these? I think he's. Just, I think it's a whole sequence of events that he's got planned to just basically destroy his psyche. Right, uh, to break down the Batman. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever he did, he plugged him and somehow Batman woke up on the streets and he's puking his guts out. If he's uh, drugged up, I don't know if it shows or not. The next big thing in this issue has been one of the main controversies over the tie-in on IPs, and that's with Nightwing. He's taken out a couple of Roman dorks that are uh, trying to attack him, and he talks about how lame they are. And it ends with Robin talking to him as Robin's going through the black casebook, and it's obvious at this point that they haven't heard from Batman, they don't know what's happened, and Nightwing is still alive, but then this lady pops up behind him that's about to, I guess, ambush him. And towards the end of the comic, we find Arkham Asylum. One of the characters here is holding up Nightwing's mask, and you see a picture of Nightwing foaming at the mouth in one of the padded sails. So Nightwing is out of the picture thing that's controversial about that is in the Nightwing issue that came out, number 147, Nightwing apparently is fine and going about his normal business, but Two-Face needs his help, and Nightwing says, well, why didn't you get Batman? And Two-Face says, I don't want somebody that's running around in a Technicolor costume. And so the controversy is, well, if Nightwing is in Arkham Asylum when Batman puts on, as soon as Batman puts on the costume, and in R.I.P., by the time that happens, Nightwing is already in Arkham Asylum, foaming at the mouth, but in his own comic, in the Nightwing comic, he's just fine and dandy. Have you guys got any theories as to why that is? No. Think it's just a mess up? I, I do think it was, I think it was, um... I, I well, remember in the in the, remember the first issue that we were talking about with the RIP, Tony Daniels was not supposed to do the art splat all over the page, so that was kind of a boo boo. So mm-hmm. I can kind of take it that this was kind of a boo boo, also. Yeah, the only other thing I can think of is that the Nightwing episodes take place after RIP and after Nightwing has already gotten out of Arkham Asylum, but and maybe that'll happen, but I I doubt it. Well, what's really interesting is the fact that the Nightwing stories have nothing at all. It doesn't seem like they have a whole lot to do with the R.A.P. storyline to begin with, except for him (laughs) occasionally mentioning that Bruce is missing or something. Yeah, that was something I was going to mention later, too, is that you look through the Nightwing, and there's, yeah, there's just that one little mention of Batman, and that's the only reason that it's got the R.I.P. headline on it. And the same thing can be said pretty much about Detective Comics, but I'll get to that a little later. Yeah, what about the Robin? (laughs) 
that one a little bit more because he keeps on talking about what am I going to do without Batman and what am I going to do without Batman. It, it looks like there might be some promise in it, but I'll get to that in a little bit. But to finish up, number 678, hopefully all of you listeners have read this. Bruce Wayne finds out that Honor Jackson apparently is all in his head. Makes it seem like he's going crazy. I don't know if you could say that's drugs. I think it's just that his mind snapped. And the other interesting thing is uh, Dr. Hertz in the Batcave. We found out, if you listen to the last comic cast, we speculated onto Alfred's demise because he was getting a pretty severe beating. And I would just like to say that I was right. He did not die. I will shamelessly take the credit for, for promoting that. I don't think any of us really thought he was going to die. But nevertheless, no, he is alive. And Dr. Hurt seems to have no idea what's going on with Batman. The only thing he mentions is, when Batman has finally seen the error of his ways, we may allow him to return, broken, perhaps as my butler. Until then, the Dark Knight is dead. So it doesn't seem that Dr. Hurt has any idea that Bruce Wayne is about to dress up as Batman. And I still think it's a pretty weird thing for a villain to do to beat up Batman and then let him loose on the streets. But maybe Grant Morrison knows what he's doing. And then it ends with the Batman of Zurinar and the little Batmite character. And if you guys have listened to our regular cast, you know that we worry wondering if the Batmite is an actual character or if he's just a figment of Bruce's imagination. So that's number 678. Any closing comments from you dudes? The one comment I want to make was I just found it amusing how he was hallucinating this Honor Jackson the entire time, but at the end of the book he realized that, or someone told him that the guy died just the day before. I thought that Mm -hmm. was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. This one, I didn't like the Batmite. Uh, I feel bad for Alfred, because, man, he is just jacked up. Man, they jacked him up good. But, y- yeah, I, I kind of wonder where Grant Morrison was going with Batman, because, I mean, you just let him go. You had him in the cave, you know? So, just following along the story and seeing where he takes us. And Batman 679... Batman of Zernar is on his rampage. Batman makes another appearance, and there's some talking going on. The only things that are really interesting in this issue, he cuts out his tooth, which is kind of gruesome. He has a little conversation with the Batmite that explains where Batman of Zernar came from. Robin's being chased by Buckethead, and we see that crazy D-list characters Dr. Hurt released on Gotham City are kind of fighting each other over their territories, apparently, and they find out that Batman is still around and go crazy. The other big thing is Commissioner Gordon shows up at Bruce Wayne's house to probably break the bad news of the news story about Thomas Wayne perhaps still being alive. And that's when Dr. Hurt finds out that Bruce Wayne is still going out as Batman. And he doesn't think that's a big deal because he's still preparing for Arkham Asylum and the final act that's going to happen there, which some issues kind of speculate that apparently something's going to happen with Nightwing. They're trying to deliver Robin to the Joker. And I don't know if the other big news is that I guess they expect Bruce Wayne to go there. And I don't know what kind of effect they expect the news of Thomas Wayne to have on him. And also, with the last comic cast, we wonder the original Batman, who that was and what that was talking about. And I assume it was Dr. Hurt dressing up as Batman, and not the Batman of Zernar. Any of you guys got any thoughts on that? No. No? Mm, no. Dr. Hurt's weird. Yeah. The only other things happening in the issue is Batman starts interrogating the Greek clown and uh, beating him senselessly with a bat. And like I mentioned a second ago, this guy at Arkham Asylum is talking about doing some sort of lobotomy on Nightwing. And we see Jezebel Jet getting smacked around. And that's really all of this issue. It's leading up to what's coming up next. Any closing remarks on any of it? I, like I, I really don't like his suit. <laughs> it's colorful. It would have worked for the old TV show. <laughs> We'll go ahead and close out our Batman RFP. And I want to touch briefly on the Detective Comics RIP runs. I've got 846 and 847. I don't have the newest one. And this is, like we said earlier in the cast, it looks like they're just putting the RIP title on it just to do it. Because this is mainly about Hush and what he's doing with somebody that he calls his mentor, and he the pupil. And we found out from 847, the second issue of Detective Comics, that that's actually the Scarecrow. And we don't know what's going on. Something about finding the right kid that Hush can do his experiment on and the only mention the only real tie-in to the RIP storyline is that Hush feels like he's got some competition against being the main villain for Batman and there's some interaction with Catwoman that's mostly 846 
It's 847. Again, it shows the Scarecrow and his involvement. I'm not sure if there's any mention of the R.I.P. storyline in this one. And it really reveals Tommy Elliott, a.k.a. Hush, what he was like as a child. And personally, I'll let you guys comment too, but I think that's a, it's hard to believe that Tommy Elliott was really that evil as a child, that he uh, schemed to kill his parents and to really whack his mom and didn't like it that she survived. What do you guys think? I think it was a little overboard. It was basically making you feel like uh, he had to be like Lord Voldemort when he was a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. You know, uh, something else that was in this issue, I don't know if anyone's ever paid attention to this, but in this issue, Nightwing has a car. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like his own special Nightwing car, because you see Batman, you see the Batmobile, you see Robin in a motorcycle, and then you see Nightwing's car. I know in the toys, they brought out a, a Robin type car, but that one was pretty cool out of this issue. Mm-hmm. Are you guys surprised to see Hush call Scarecrow his mentor? Yeah, because I never really pictured Hush to have anything to do with fear. Actually, in the in the issue 847, Thomas Elliot is talking to the Scarecrow, so apparently Scarecrow's been a part of Tommy's life for a long time, and that's just a more interesting thing. Looking at Hush's whole history in the comics, you think he's a self-made man that didn't require anybody to help him. But apparently Scarecrow, somebody I've considered to be a pretty silly, not serious villain, apparently has a, a bigger part to play in things. Even that Thomas Elliott would take orders from him. So yeah, that's that. Any other comments before we move on? Highly recommended. Highly recommended. Very good. And now I'll touch on the Nightwing real quick. I've only got number 147 in front of me. Number 148 came out a couple days ago. Haven't got that yet. The artwork is good. It's really cool to see a Nightwing symbol in the air. I wonder if that is a shadow of things to come with the Who Takes the Cow storyline coming up in Batman. Since somebody besides Batman apparently is going to have to be Batman. And now we see Nightwing with his own symbol in the air. But it's just a story of Two-Face wanting some help with this lady. And he puts some people in trouble. And Nightwing goes and does Two-Face's work. And to make it matter short... It has nothing to do with R.I.P., and it, in fact, contradicts (laughs) what apparently is going on in R.I.P. The only thing that's kind of goofy in the issue I want to mention is towards the end, this lady's being airlifted from a rooftop, and Nightwing jumps from the roof to save her, and apparently he's got a glider that knows how to find Nightwing and comes up to him so he can attach himself to it and fly away in it. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Uh, is that ever shown up in another issue before? I've seen the glider before, but I've never seen it being you know able to track. But at the same time, Batmobiles the, or Batman's got the Batmobile that can always find him too, so it could have the same kind of thing. Yeah, like and maybe tracking, like a tracking system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not just a glider. Maybe it has some sort of propulsion system because it's kind of fat in the middle. Gliders, you know, normally be paper thin, so maybe it's a multi-billion dollar fancy glider. But, well, in uh, that issue also, when you were talking about the glider, I wanted to know how he kept himself up when he had to grab onto the girl from the I helicopter. Noticed that too. I noticed so, that, too. He's holding it with his forehead or something. <laughs> he has excellent back muscles that have uh, kept him up. Oh, that's yeah. training. <laughs> but the artwork's pretty good on it. It's, it's interesting. And we'll see if this series lives up to its R.I.P. title or not. But so far, it looks like a shameless plug to sell some issues. Hey, we're part of R.I.P. Oh, yeah. Well, we bought it. Yeah. Yeah, we did, didn't we? (laughs) And the last thing I'll talk about before I move along to one of the other co-hosts is two issues of Robin that have the Batman R.I.P. in it. And I think these are a little more deserving of the R.I.P. titles because uh, a lot of it is Robin talking about what is going on with Batman. Am I supposed to take the job now? And do I need to take Batman down? And it mainly focuses on a lot of flashbacks when Batman was in a cave. And I need you guys' help because I thought this whole Batman was put in isolation a long time ago to learn how to become the Joker is something that happened years and years and years ago. But reading these two Robin issues, it makes me think this is just from part of the aftermath of Infinite Crisis when all of the heroes left for a year. Yeah. Is that right? So this isn't his isolation, all that isn't something that happened years and years and years ago. Correct. I believe you were the one who said that at one point Grant Morrison said that this takes place before, was it Infinite or Final? 
Yeah, he said that Final Crisis that's going on right now is taking place after R.I.P. Right. Right. And so there's a spoiler there. There's a spoiler yeah. because in Final Crisis, Bruce Wayne, Batman, is in there. Yeah, it kind of takes a lot of the excitement out of this whole series. You know, it's going to be but okay. which one? Is it Bruce Wayne from Zero and R? I doubt it. <laughs> I because he's, he's in his normal costume. Yeah, I agree. I know we... I, I think it's the normal Batman, but, you know, like we said, we're just going to follow along. Yeah, and because Morrison has said that there is a change in this Batman in Final Crisis. We just can't tell what. But, well, what was it? Do you guys know anything? What's the significance of Batman putting Isolation a long time ago to get inside the Joker's head? Was that just Grant Morrison's inspiration for this one, but he decided to use the one that happened a year ago? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Okay. Listeners, feel free to email us and chime in your thoughts, too. But the issue carries along. Not too much else happens. Spoiler laughs at Robin when he says he thinks Batman might be crazy. Spoiler thinks that's Rich coming from, I guess, a guy that dresses up. That should be obvious about Batman and Robin for the longest time. And then, as far as the rest of the issue goes, they're just cracking heads trying to find out if it's true that Batman really has gone crazy and if, if he's running around in this Technicolor suit. And towards the end, I believe, spoiler, or maybe I'm jumping ahead to the next issue, but spoiler takes the goon that has the cell phone picture of Batman and erases it so Robin can't see it. And that actually made me really mad. I've never cared for spoiler, and I definitely didn't after that. I'm like, what's this jerk doing? <laughs> <laughs> you mean uh, Robin 176, right? Is that when it finally happens, Robin 176? Yeah, that's yeah. one with a spoiler. That's a, yeah. that's a great cover. I love that cover. Oh, with Robin looking through down the clouds? Yeah. I like the last one, the 175, because it mimics the one, I think, where Batman was holding Robin all those years ago. Yeah. That's Jason Todd. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff. But yeah, they're both, the artwork on both of them is good. But yeah, just to talk about 176 real quick to keep the cast going. Yeah, you're right, Apple. She ends up erasing a picture, and the story moves on. There's something strange about Robin's new uh, mask, I guess, that he gets. And it's kind of cool to see, because I always assume that these masks they wear are just little flimsy cloth things. But uh, 176, Robin shows that it's actually, you know, a very expensive computer thing. It also helps explain why they have white eyes, and you can't ever see their, their eye pupils when they're wearing their masks, because it's a visor. Right, it's designed into there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it goes on. Robin's uh, working with the uh, lady at the commissioner headquarters. They do some more flashbacks about the isolation thing, and then Buckethead shows up again. And the story moves on, and apparently Penguin is employed to try to help find where Batman is. And then at the very end of the issue, uh, one of the interesting things is that Spoiler reveals the conversation she had with Batman. And this is something, if I can take a moment, it's just really weird to see everything going on and try to figure out does Grant Morrison have a solid story or not, because in previous R.I.P. Batman, Batman issues are leading up to RIP. We see Batman practically losing it, trying to figure out who the Black Glove is because he knows something big is happening. And then whenever we see in this issue that he's talking to Spoiler saying, Tim is going to have to carry on without me and you're going to have to help him do it, basically, and not wanting Robin to go looking for, me, for him or anything. So it kind of leads up to the thought that Batman knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to lose his mind and for whatever reason, he didn't want Robin and everybody going and finding him as the Batman of Zer and R or whatever. Do you guys concur yes i would say yes yeah and you know like i said so far uh, not making a lot of sense to me i don't see the makings of a great story and all of this yet but grant morrison has done some stuff before that's turned out pretty good so we'll see well you know w- one thing that uh, i thought you were gonna that you were gonna mention in that robin 176 mm-hmm. at the end do you remember buckethead and the yeah. costume that he picked up from the floor the costume they picked oh with the uh, the old Kingdom Come Robin costume? Exactly. Uh, is that him? Well, actually, I don't think that's Buckethead picking it up. Buckethead's picking up his two sticks, and he's just angry that his bike got stolen, saying, going to die, boy. And I think the other thing is some uh, some other dude that's looking in something to pick up that Robin costume. Oh, you know what? I, I thought it was Buckethead that was trying to get a, and get that costume. No, I think that's something totally different. Dustin, do you think so too? Yeah, I think it's a little different. I don't think it's the same. Yeah, and it leads up to the next Robin that we're not going to cover. Um, I have read it. And the next Robin doesn't have the R.I.P. title, and I suppose maybe it's just moving along with uh, Robin's story. And I, yeah, I don't know what's going on with that whole old Robin outfit yet. But for listeners who were, you know, Know, collecting the comics thinking boy let's get all of these r.i.p issues because you're going to need them all to understand what's going on 
Um, I would definitely say getting the other series RIP tie-ins does not have anything to do with with the regular RIP run. Grant Um, Morrison's run on Batman is really the only things you really need to be concerned with. Yeah, everything else, I don't don't know why they're putting RIP in it. Just because they mention what's going on, I don't think that deserves the title RIP attached to the cover of the comic. Especially since the different series are all having, it almost seems like they're having their own storyline that's, that's, for almost every single one, except for the Robin ones, is conflicting with the main storyline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been no. some boo-boos. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my RIP coverage for this time. Good evening, folks. I'm the Joker. Living proof that you don't have to be crazy to host this show, but it helps. <laughs> all right. So that brings us to the Joker's Asylum, which Apple's going to cover all but the Scarecrow. So Apple, let's go ahead and get started with the first one. Okay, uh, issue one. Well, actually, they're all issue ones, but Joker's Asylum, the Joker, started off as a great story. This was a great story. The story was by Arvin Nelson. The artwork was by Alex Sanchez. The artwork wasn't my taste. It wasn't It wasn't um, what I prefer, but nevertheless, the story was awesome. I, if you can look past the, the artwork, the, the story where it's the Joker takes over, I guess like a TV TV studio starts his own game show and uh, typical you know this reminded me of uh, of a lot of the the Batman animated series a story that Paul Dini would write and so I, I I fell in love with this story right off the bat because it's where he takes hostage of the studio holds his own show has the people as hostages and it kind of leads you like oh dang here goes the joker he's gonna kill somebody he's gonna do something to somebody and it just shows where the roles were reversed as us normal people what we consider being normal as what we view and so the joker while taking over the studio of course he's playing through games and it looks like he's putting people's lives in his hands and it shows the producers of the show like no no keep keep the cameras on it keep the cameras on him people want more you know and it showed who was really the monster were we the monsters wanting to see this or was the joker the one that is really the monster because we consider him insane that he is the monster and so that's what the joker did in this issue he switched roles with us because while we were reading it you're eagerly anticipating what's going to happen what's going to happen i gotta see yes yes you know put it on the show let me see who's he going to kill who's going to want it showed the the ugliness of i guess of how you say uh, sane people to show that where we relate with the Joker. And that's what I kind of got out of this story. Did you guys get the same thing? It just shows that the news people are so concerned, so greedy about money and such, and getting good ratings, that that's all they really care about. They don't care about the safety or the well-being of the people there. You know, I was looking at it and enjoyed the story, and it reminded me of the One Bad Day storyline, where Joker tries to set out to prove that anybody can be just as crazy as he is. Whereas in this one, he knows everybody considers him a monster, and he tries to show everybody that... That, look, you guys are just as much of a monster, or even worse, maybe, than I am because of what you're doing watching this television show. Um, and I thought that was a really great storyline. But I, I agree with the artwork. I like the detail in it, but this guy draws a different Joker with every panel, it seems like. It's just, it's a little too inconsistent. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I, I liked it. Yeah, I it and I, the lines that it really like, I mean, it could the story could have just end right there where the Joker had said, so who's the real sickle, America? Me for carrying out this little prank? The producers and executives at the networks who let it all happen? Or is it you people who mindlessly watched it all on your television sets? Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? So it, it, it was a good, it was good. <laughs> Out of the whole Asylum run, comic run, I think this one was the best. It did, it was at least a great issue because it really pulled readers into this and made it really interesting. It was so well done. I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I agree it was the best story, but I will discuss uh, further along my, my shock issue, I guess. Okay. Uh, it also sec- made me – oh, I was going to say – the last thing I was going to say about it said also this one issue, more than all the others, really got me – it really rated high on the cringeworthy factor because when he was about to do stuff to these contestants, I really thought, oh man, something's gonna happen. Oh, I don't want to see it. Oh. And I really like got the into acid. it. Yeah, I was <laughs> like really expecting something terrible to happen that I didn't want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's all I want to say about that. So, in closing, the Joker, Joker's Asylum issue, must buy just for the read. But I thought you liked me. I do. But an old bird like me can't afford such flights of fancy. The second issue in the series, which was uh, highlighting the penguin. Now, this was a very cute, 
little story, I guess you could kind of say. It started off cute, and I mean, it started off, of course, with like, you know, the little little penguin, I guess you could kind of say, trying to ask a girl out. And of course, you know, he doesn't, you know, as some guys, when you like that girl and she rejects you, you get really mad, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> later on, it discusses like, you know, what happened to these girls, I guess you kind of say. But penguin, and he always comes across as, I don't know about you guys, but he always comes across as like a pimp. I don't know why, but he, he just has, like, these girls around him. And so through the story, when you're following the penguin, uh, he's going through, I guess, like, it's a, like a trade show for different sorts, right? Yeah, it looks like the bad guy's Walmart or something. Where yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's the pimp trade show or something. I don't know. <laughs> In this story, they have, like, I guess the concubines or the, the women that are jailed up. And mm-hmm. he rescues one, you know, and the penguin's, like, you know, really, like, I guess, you know, I guess has that little side for, you know, being <laughs> kind-hearted in a way. But, you know, he goes out with the girl, you know, they're, they're getting along. I think later on as the issue progresses, you know, the penguins are actually really falling for this girl. Even Batman even makes an appearance in there. You know, he takes down his goons like real quick. And the Joker's just staring at his wallpaper on his on his PC about this girl. So, yeah, you pe- know, so the, I mean, I mean the penguin, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Joker just, you know. I always got to talk about him. <laughs> but, yes, he talks about, well, he's, you know, he's really in love with the girl. And Batman's like, you know, he tells Batman, you know, this one could really be the one. And then, like, Batman doesn't say anything. And he's like, yes, okay, see you the same time next week, you know. <laughs> so he's just there. And what actually really turns this girl to seeing the penguin is actually when there's a reference from the the chef. When I, it looks like he was like, they were laughing at the penguin because the way he looks and he's with this girl and she sees the penguin turn to a different side you know through there that as that leads through you know she sees penguin as ugly she doesn't want to be around the penguin and so the penguin like when that flip that that's that uh switch was flipped he turned it around and you know after all this was done when you know she called him ugly and you know she thought you know she was living the high life she just didn't say anything he winds up taking her back to that that cell that where he got where he got her from yeah that's so wrong (laughs) i thought that was awesome (laughs) (laughs) he just took her back he's like you know you could have had the best but you know you can't live with you know live with me so what did y'all think about that i liked it i like the use of red in this every time he would show uh, oswald's evil side his eyes would turn red or they'd use red in some other way the artwork was was really well used and i like the way they um, they emphasized his eye in that little eyepiece he had some of the some of the shots were just really cool i don't know who this artist was i've not i'm not used to him anything else but jason pearson yeah jason pearson it's not my normal style but i sure did enjoy it and yeah at the end with this woman you think well out of the frying pan and into the fire i mean i guess both either living with him or living in this cage both is a I guess a pretty bad life for her. But this really shows a really good side of, of Penguin and how he is and, and who he is. And you think, you know, he's got a, he's a man who has he can have compassion and he can be, I guess, normal. You can have sympathy for him, but there's just something not right with him on the inside that just screws him up because, you know, his temper and his thirst for revenge is pretty extreme. Yeah, I just think there's a resentment that he has for the rest of the world because he's just a little bit different. He's, you know... He might have the power and get whatever he wants when he wants it to have it. But I think he has resentment that when he was younger, he couldn't always have it the way he wanted to. But I think overall, this was a great issue. Mm -hmm. I I thought it was a great issue also. It's really hard. And, you know, I'll say another comment on it. For writers, I don't know why it is, but it it always seems that it's always... I guess they don't see it, but as a reader, it's always difficult to find a good Penguin story. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, the last one I probably read was like in 89. Like it was like an Origins book of Penguins. Honestly, that was like probably the really... The last good Penguin story I've read since this one. So, yeah, this one was a good story. But the next issue in the Joker's Asylum was Poison Ivy. Harvey had to pay for his crime. This little rose would be extinct today if I hadn't saved my precious from those horrible bulldozers. The blood of those flowers are on his hands. So his fate was sealed. This issue, it, I, I don't know about you guys, it, it didn't do anything for me. I really found the story was, it, it didn't grab me like the Joker and the Penguin one. It was kind of typical what you thought Poison Ivy would do in a story. Mm-hmm. It didn't bring a, a shock value like, you know, the Penguin with the girl and the Joker turning roles. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. this one was just pretty much, you know, 
poison ivy you know some people you know the like the regular you know tearing down trees she gets you know she gets mad about it uh she goes after the people pretty basic like that i don't know about you guys do you all want to talk about this one i mean it, it was really it was really that you know what i mean it, it felt like that the most interesting thing in this story wasn't Poison Ivy, but it was the beginning and ending parts of the Joker and what he did with those plants, you know, biting off his hand and it was a fake hand and at the end he killed them all. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's joking about it. That was more interesting than the rest of the story. The only other thing about the story is, well, besides being rated M for mature with some of those scenes and some of the uh, scantily clad views of Poison Ivy, towards the end it's really interesting that she actually got away with chopping this dude to pieces. There was something oh, said, yeah. I think, because I thought, oh, well, maybe Batman got in there and he stopped her. No, uh, Batman actually showed up a little too late. And this dude did get chopped to pieces. But yeah, I agree with you, Apple. It was a, a typical Poison Ivy story, and that's probably what made it worse than the other two, is that there was no shock or surprise. And that, wow, I didn't think that was like her. Yeah, the Joker, the best lines, even at the end, you know, it's like, so you see, kitties, when it comes to plants, Poison Ivy has a green thumb, but all she ever shows the rest of the world is her middle finger. <laughs> you know? That's uh -huh. awesome. Joker's awesome. You, Dust, you have a comment on this issue? Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you guys. I, I feel like the first, after the first two Joker Asylum issues, everything kind of went downhill. Because that actually brings us to the next one, which is Joker Asylum Scarecrow. I am fear incarnate. I am the terror of Gotham. I am the Scarecrow. This one was very similar. It was just a normal Scarecrow story. I did not find this issue to be very good at all. It was written by Joe Harris, art by John Wando, and I didn't like the art at all in this one. It's very Kids WB-esque, per se, and most of the story had nothing to... I mean, eventually you realize that the story has a lot to do with Scarecrow, but the majority of the story is a bunch of teenage girls and a couple teenage guys going back and forth and then eventually you find out some of their fears. But the story itself, I mean, there was the teenage girls running around in underwear or pajamas or whatever you want to call them. The majority of the story, but overall, I did not like this story at all. And I kind of felt like the ending of the story was kind of left you hanging, not knowing exactly how it, uh, point of the entire story. I like the artwork only because I love The Incredibles, uh, Disney's movie The Incredibles. Yeah. And this was the same style. If I, if that one movie had come out, I would have hated this artwork. But this this issue reminded me of uh, that movie Scream, in that it was a horror story, and I'm like, it kind of diminishes the Scarecrow, because this big-time villain, who right now in, in current continuity is messing with Hush and his mentor, in this issue, he, he debases himself to frightening teenagers in high school and run around their house and all that. that's that's strange but he doesn't do anything that's really shock value but the real shock value comes from this girl in that towards the end you think oh she did the right thing she helped out batman but the last page shows that i know actually she took this dude out to the cemetery and and i guess we can assume did some bad things to him probably yeah. killed him that was a shock value but yeah it was it was a different issue and it wasn't wasn't that great it was just a different uh, I, style again i wish they could you know, write a proper Scarecrow story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this issue, uh, I say skip it, guys. It's 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 not, <laughs> not worth anything to get. Unless you love The Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> which then takes us into the final issue in the series of Joker's Asylum, which is Two-Face. Basic 50-50 option. Now, this book told a very good story. When you try to see if you can relate to someone, if you were in their shoes, if they're similar to you, but you really don't. And that's what this issue kind of discussed. In this issue, Two-Face, who, of course, is in prison, uh, gets a visit by another gentleman who was also scarred and telling him, hey, you know, my life's going great. You know, my wife stood by me. She supported me, you know, and, you know, maybe you can have the same thing, too. You know, I'll, I'll stay here with you. I'll help support you. And then, you know, like he's just talking back and forth with Two-Face and Two-Face explains to him, like, you know, like his side. You know what I mean? The position, like, you know, of evil and the way he was born, you know. And the other gentleman, it's, it's really funny because it almost looks like looking into a mirror almost. And the artwork is, I think it's really done, uh, it's really done well in this issue. But Two-Face tells the gentleman, you know, like, you know, I'll see you. I'll see you when I get out, you know. And so Two-Face, of course, flipped the coin and then, of course, it turned up bad. And then the gentleman trying to help him. And so through the issue, the external events, Two-Face takes him and kidnaps him and puts him, like, on a stage. And he puts him in the chair and he puts his wife, right? 
believe it's his wife. Right, and then he puts it under like the same acid, kind of like that what they were burned with, and it's gonna like gonna drop a little. And he puts him in that position because he had talked about like how his wife stood by him and everything. And so now he has a sulfuric acid trying to dip down on her. And so he has her strapped down. Guy's telling him to please stop. You know, Two Face, of course, is advising him to stay back. That little drip of acid runs down her face, and now she is scarred. And of course, he loses it. He says no, and he wants to go ahead. And Two Face wants him to kill Batman. So through this, he's telling him to do something that you wouldn't normally do. And so he grabs a gun. He looks and he takes it. He takes it to Batman. Two Face is telling him shoot it, shoot it before the full acid comes down on the, on the girlfriend. The gentleman actually points a gun at Two-Face, where he switches the role, and of course there's nothing inside the clip. And so Two-Face, you know, shows his gun, and he points it out, and it wasn't even Batman, That it wasn't even the real Batman, it was one of Two-Face's henchmen. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to show him, and of course Batman's upstairs looking, overshadowing this, and I mean, is upstairs looking at him, taking down the henchmen, while Two-Face is explaining his side of why, you know, why he did this, and of course... He flips a coin to show that it should he blow his wife's brains out. And, of course, Batman's just looking at it. And then Batman grabs a coin. He says he's wrong. And then he goes, Batman says, I decide. Batman hits him. So that, that one was, it was really cool. But the coolest part of the issue was at the end where the wife asked him to leave. Now she's scarred because she's mad that he wouldn't have killed Batman right away for her. And it left her scarred. And so he leaves and he goes into his room and now the Joker's going through a discussion of like, what would you do? And he, he's saying that Two-Face is right. What, it depends on what side of the coin it falls on. And so at the ending of this issue, it actually tells you if it comes up heads and you flip your own coin, if it comes up heads, they wind up going back together and they wind up living happy and all the good stuff. If it comes up bad, the gentleman then blows his head off. So I want to ask you guys, did you flip the coin? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. Yep. What was yours, Chris? Mine was the wonderful side of heads. So was mine. Your mine was not me. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what, and that's what I was like, oh, wow. I was like, this guy blew his head off when I flipped that coin. <laughs> so this was great issue because of a shock value of putting, putting someone in your shoes and you think you're, you went through it, but you haven't really gone through it through their eyes. This issue was a great issue only because of shock value. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that overall, the first two issues in the series were great because it had shock value. The Poison Ivy and Scarecrow, they kind of fell short, and then it picked back up a Two-Face. I don't know why the Scarecrow and uh, Poison Ivy ones weren't as good as or the other three on overall great issue. I don't understand why they were all called number one, and I think it's kind of strange that the series just ended like that. Like, I was like, oh, that's that's it. We're not going to get another one. Okay. Yeah, I'm not but, sure why they didn't just, if they were going to keep it, they said it was, it was solicited as a miniseries, and then it turned into, when they came out, every single one of them was labeled number one, and on all the comic sites, they were saying that they were each one-shots, even though it said Joker's Asylum at the top. I don't understand why they just didn't make it a miniseries, and they're just separate stories. That's probably the only reason why they were one-shots, was because they were separate stories instead of somehow linking to each other. Mm-hmm. One of my early criticisms was there's no reason the Joker should be narrating this from the front and the back. I mean, it seems like a shameless plug just to piggyback off the movie's popularity. Because, you know, I mean, all he did was intro it and exit, and he doesn't have any real effect on the story whatsoever. Overall, this series was really great. Three books out of out of five is really not bad. I just wish they could have kept it going, honestly. I, I, I liked it. The Ivy Scarecrow one, I mean, they were real bad, but... I would have liked to have seen other villains told through the Joker side. Yeah, and as a note to everybody who was unfortunate enough not to pick them up, come December 10th, they're going to have a trade paperback for all five combined in one for $14.99. So if you can't find one of them and you want for some reason to get all of them, maybe you should just hold off until that trade paperback comes out in December. so that brings us to the new segment short box collection basically like i said earlier i'm going to cover a random issue from our short box and you can email us if you want to get this issue it is batman number 379 from january 1985 the cover price on it was 75 cents the writer was doug monick and the artists were don newton alfredo 
Alcala, and this story is basically, it's a story about the Mad Hatter. It's actually one of the earlier stories of the Mad Hatter, not, you know, not the most, or not the earliest, but the issue starts out pretty decently. He's working on some new technology, and he, the funny thing is he has this monkey that I guess is his pet, but it walks around in this checkered blue vest it's actually really amusing but the whole story is actually a really good story because it combines a bunch of different characters that everyone knows vicky vale makes an appearance there's an appearance by nocturna jason todd's the current joker in this series and at one point there's a story going there's like a story inside the story going on about how nocturna is actually trying taking bruce wayne to court to get custody of Jason Todd, and I'm not going to tell you the ending, if you wanted to hear the ending, you'll have to either pick it up or email us to try to get it, but basically, it's Mad Hatter's trying to use his technology to take over some people to do some crimes, Batman kind of subdues it, and at the end of the book, Nocturna shows up and basically helps Batman, knowing that Batman is Bruce Wayne, helps him out, and... Batman's left with the decision of, well, what do I do? Do I go after Nocturna, even though I know she's a criminal, or do I work with her? So that's really the basic story. But all overall, this is actually a really good comic, and it's worth reading more than once. So like I said, Batman number 379. If you would like to get this issue from us, mail your address to BatmanUniversePodcast at Yahoo.com, and on the next comic cast, we'll let you know who won, and by then it'll already be on the mail, so you might have already got it before you even hear it on the comic cast. So, that brings us to all the comic news. I just wanted to cover some of the stuff that uh, happened at comic that came out of the Comic Con because I don't think we really mentioned it on any of the normal casts just because we were holding off, hoping that we'd put out a comic cast. But now that we finally are, we might as well mention all the stuff that we never mentioned before. So let's start off with in November. There's going to be a three-part Batman miniseries starring a Green Arrow villain. Onomatopoeia with Batman, and the writer is going to be Kevin Smith. Woohoo! <laughs> what a long villain name. Maybe that's what snaps him out of Zuran R. It's another weird long name. <laughs> he says the villain's name and he comes back. Do you guys like Kevin Smith as a writer? Not familiar with him, I don't think. I, I, he, I've, I've read some of his stuff. Some of it's pretty good, some of it's kind of iffy, but nothing that I've ever read is kind of bad at all. Could you right. name off some stuff he's done? From the Daredevil stuff? Oh, wow. Okay. Daredevil, uh, he did a he did a run on Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. He also Which wrote, is awesome. He also wrote, like, the movies Clerks and Mallrats and those. Clerks 2, Mallrats. The name of the series is, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but it's Batman Cacophony. And the first issue is going to come out on November 12th. And like I said, it's going to be a three-issue series. And they're each going to run about three ninety nine dollars apiece. So that was, the, that was the first big news. In other news... The second thing is that after the R.I.P.'s arc is all done, there's going to be a new arc entitled Battle for the Cow. I know we mentioned something about this in a previous podcast, not a comic podcast, but a previous podcast, about all the people who could possibly take over for Batman. But the real question is... Is anybody really going to take over for him? All I can say is, it's finally come. The day has come at last. It's back. Batman with knives. Azrael's coming back. She's putting back <laughs> oh. on that costume. Oh, call 911. Call 911. I just had a heart attack. Sell everything you have by every issue on the stands. We're I, back in I, business, baby. I will drive to New York and march myself into that DC Comics building, <laughs> and I will burn every Azrael with knives. <laughs> crazy. The old Azrael's coming back in his costume from... John Paul's coming back. <laughs> yes, that's what it's about. Battle for the cow. Oh, knives my... <laughs> I can only hope. He's the man. <laughs> Alright, so some of the other news that was uh, came out, there that uh, Neil Gaiman and Andy Kubart are on board for a series in January of 2009 that's entitled Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader. It's very similar to Whatever Happened to Superman, well, this is Whatever Happened to Batman. So it'll kind of answer some of the questions. Interesting. Another thing that was big news that happened was that after the R.I.P. story 
is done in November. Mr. Denny O'Neill himself is coming back to write a two-part story to look at what Gotham has become due to everything that happens in R.I.P. That will be awesome. Because, you know, Denny O'Neill, I mean, he's one of the OG guys, so... Uh-oh, here it comes. And then the last bit of news was that Jason Todd is going to be starring in his own little miniseries after R.I.P. is all over. Strange fruit. And the other thing is, if, if any of you comic uh, collectors are out there in... November, there's going to be two issues of Batman coming out. There'll be Batman 682 and Batman 683, and both of those issues are going to have variant covers, but that the covers are going to be done by Alex Ross. The standard edition will be done by Alex Ross. Variant covers are going to be done by Tony Daniel for both of them. Other than that, I think that's about it. You just couldn't let me go, could you? We did have somebody who emailed us, uh, Miranda, who has emailed us in the past, asked us a question to suggest a couple uh, different Joker stories that were pretty good but not super popular, such as The Killing Joke, The Man Who Laughs, which anybody who you ask will say those are great Joker stories to read. But we've taken the time to try to figure out some of the stories to let her know of, and one of them is... Batman Annual 1991, number 15 came back uh, came out way in the day and uh, way back in the day and it's just a what if story taking batman into the future and uh, basically the joker goes really crazy and something big happens towards the end but that's kind of a obscure title that was has really good artwork in it would be fun mm, yeah you know and just speaking in honor uh, honor of daniel stone coming back to the to the comic book i would also recommend the one that revised the joker actually it was a uh, 1970 Two or seventy-three, I believe it was Batman two fifty-one. That's where Denny O'Neill came back with Neil Adams. Neil Adams, of course, you know, great art. You know, he, he he does some great artwork. Brought back the Joker. They brought it back in a fashion where he was really a homicidal maniac. If you can get that, I, I don't know if that was in the uh, Joker's greatest stories ever told or not, but it should be. Look out for that one. It was a uh, Batman two fifty-one, I believe. And just you know, just to be traditional. If you haven't read Batman number one, which was the first appearance of the Joker, you pick that one up. You know, it doesn't explain a whole lot about the Joker, but it is the very first story he ever appeared in, and that was a that was a good one. Another one would be if you want a really different opinion of the origin story of the Joker, go back and read, I believe it was issues seven through twelve of Batman Confidential. That's not my personal favorite of the Joker origin story. But it gives you a different idea of how the Joker came to be, or how he could have came to be. And also, uh, Death in the Family, that's another great Joker story also. So. Death in the Family is a great one, especially for the fact that it gives you an idea that the Joker is not just a dumb criminal. He's actually really smart at planning all kinds of different things. And it, it's perfect because as soon as he killed Jason Todd, he set it up perfectly where Batman could not touch him. Right. Oh, and the other thing I might mention didn't have Batman in it really, but it's the old uh, probably mid '90s series Robin. I think it was actually Robin Two, and I think it was four issues. Robin has to defend Gotham while Batman's out of town or out of the country, and it's basically the Joker going crazy and and doing his things. Yeah, and another artwork. Another really good one is Batman number three twenty one. It's entitled "Have a Dreadful Birthday, Mr. Joker." That one's a really good one, too. I just picked up, I believe it was Batman 191. I have to check on that. But I believe it was Batman 191, which is another birthday party Joker-related one. That one was pretty good, too. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good ones. I think we could keep going on and on. <laughs> then anything with Batman, the animated series with the Joker in it, was always worth watching. Yeah, oh, Batman Batman Harley Quinn was a really good one. That one's a good well, one to pick up if you can You know, find also it. from the, the podcast that we had last mentioned, the Mad Love book, yep. also that one-shot. Yep. That mm-hmm. was a good one also. Yeah, both of those one-shots, Batman Harley Quinn and Batman Mad Love, those are, really, those are both really good. To give you an insight on Harley Quinn as well as the Joker. So if anybody else has any questions or any opinions that they'd like to share with us or share with the listeners, email us, BatmanUniversePodcast at Yahoo.com. Like I've said in the past, we're going to try to continue to put this out every two weeks based on how much time we have or if anything's conflicting. But the main concern is getting the normal cast out for you guys so you can find out all the news and putting this comic cast out as soon as 
we can in between every normal cast. Like I said, Batman Universe podcast at yahoo.com. You can go on MySpace, become a friend, Batman Universe, or myspace.com slash Batman Universe podcast. And you know all the other thousand things because you probably already listened to the normal cast. And that's about it. Anything else, guys? Book of the month that I would like to recommend is Batman and the Mad Monk. Please read that. It came out in 2007. It's a great read. And if anybody has any comics, please email us. And also, just another thing, email us if you want to get that copy of Batman number 379 from January 1985. Pick the winner and we'll send it out to you as soon as we get enough responses. As always, we'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. See ya. Later, guys. Have a nice day. behind this little enterprise um um and um and uh um actually um okay you're gonna need to edit that out uh uh um uh, um and um Yeah, I know. I'm to edit some of this out.